we know how important it is to get these puppies into homes quickly because it frees up space to get more out of these kill shelters in Kentucky and West Virginia. So unlike some more other organizations that will take four or five applications on a dog and then judge who may be best, we're first best received match. Welcome to the Truman Charities Podcast. This is Jamie Truman, your host. This podcast is for philanthropists that are actively looking to expand their donor portfolio. So no more coffee chats, no more spending hours researching organizations. I am doing all that work for you. Today, I talked to the founder, Nancy Maddox, and now partner, Jen Rush of Lonely Hearts Animal Rescue. We are going to talk about how they are saving dogs from kill shelters, their fostering program, and their Wagsmore Adopt-A-Shop, and how you can help. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. You know, Nancy, I wanted to start with you. So you are the founder of Lonely Hearts Animal Rescue. So I want to know what motivated you or inspired you to create this organization? Well, about 15 years ago, I was looking for a dog of our own for my family. And I found after volunteering for another rescue that there's a search engine online called PetFinder. And I went on to PetFinder and realized how many dogs were in need of being rescued. It's not like your everyday dog pound where there's only 10 dogs it shows you that there are hundreds of thousands of dogs out there in need of rescue. And I just reached out to one of the local rescues and asked if I could help. It started with, you know, walk and waters where you meet this transport that's coming through your area to give some water and some out time for the dogs. And it evolved with my getting involved with that one rescue. And it kind of steamrolled from there. Can you tell me a little bit about the early days? The early days, we used my garage with just one chain link enclosure that we would bring in the adoptable dogs and puppies. And we sort of focused on pregnant dogs and litters of puppies at the time, and we still do. But at the time, we had one pen in the garage, and we basically brought in a litter a month and did our best to make sure that litter got you know healthy and and move them to their other fosters if we needed one or two other people to help out. So it really was a a single man operation in my garage. Now you have a Wagsmore adoption shop and you have two large intake facilities. Correct. Oh my gosh. So Jen, I wanted to know, so from what I was reading about you guys, is that how did you go from fostering two puppies to becoming (laughs) partners with Nancy here? I'm as crazy as she is. I don't know. I just think it was in me. I, you know, I was, when I turned kind of 39, 40, I was given, I wasn't expecting to have a big life change, but I was given that opportunity and really wanted to do things that were important. And I'd always wanted to get involved with, with dog rescue. I don't know, Nancy, maybe from the beginning, took one look at me and said, she's as crazy as I am. Let's do this. And, and it just literally, I remember the litter of two and I remember that, that litter of nine. And now nine years later, a litter of nine would seem like a a walk in the park versus, you know, the six or seven litters of nine I typically have at one time. You know, life goes that fast. Once we started adopting out more dogs, we then decided we needed more space. Nancy put up her intake facility. And then I guess about eight months later, I put up mine, which then, you know, immediately increases the square footage that you're dealing with by tenfold. 
during COVID, we were, you know, moving so many dogs and, you know, really kind of in some ways took advantage of it and did an expansion on my facility. So in between the two buildings now, we have over 5,000 square feet. Wow. Um, and that's, that's an addition to foster spaces and things like that. So it did really happen fast. And I think our numbers jumped up to about 700 a year. Um, so I'd say our average is still about 500. Is there a dog that really kind of stands out to you? Well, I think the one dog that both Jen and I have taken time to work with as a puppy, we had a, a couple come in and say that they had a litter of pups that needed to be rehomed. And we usually don't deal locally, but we told them, yes, we could take their three puppies. And they made the remark that there was one pup that had a messed up front leg. And we said, that's not a problem. We'll take her. It turned out to be Nora, also known lovingly as Scooter Pie and Fussy Pots, <laughs> because this little puppy was born, she wasn't actually born with deformed legs, but looking at her when she's on the ground, she has no use of her front legs. And we did as much as we possibly could to get her straight. And she eventually moved on to a front wheel wheelchair. And she's in a loving, wonderful home right now. But it, it took us probably four months of surgeries and like eight months total. Probably eight, eight months and about $8,000 for this one little puppy. Yeah. And, we, and now she's, she's got her own little Instagram page and everything with the uh, adopters, but that would be Nora, the, the little pup that. That is so cute. Nora's famous the, now on Instagram. <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit about the adoption process? How does it work? The puppies come into us. We typically quarantine them for at least two to three weeks, depending on how age, how old they are to make sure they've had proper vaccines and, and they're healthy. They're then posted online on our website. Um, each puppy is posted individually with as much information as we know. Um, a lot of times it's best guess, and it's an online process that's specific to a puppy. Once the application comes in, we have several administrators that kind of go through those. We approve best first received match. Um, we know how important it is to get these puppies into homes quickly because it frees up space to get more out of these kill shelters in Kentucky and West Virginia. So unlike some or other organizations that will you know, take four or five applications on a dog and then kind of you know, judge who may be best, um, you know, we're first best received match. So that process usually takes a couple days. We then set up a meet and greet appointment within Wagsmore, our adoption center. And if it's a good match, then the puppy goes home with the family that day. It's a pretty quick process. We try our best to keep our application as streamlined as possible. It's definitely evolving when we find out maybe this question is too difficult for some people. Let's modify that. But I think our process is fair and it's fast. And we receive a lot of comments from people on how good our process is. We, we get told all the time, you know, people have applied to other rescues and no one ever got back to them. And I think, you know, Nance and I kind of pride ourselves in, we get back to everybody. I mean, whether it's a, a not a good application, whether someone else is getting the dog, whether your question may not seem like the most intelligent, you are getting a response from us because that's the customer service aspect that I think needs to be upheld, whether you're a nonprofit or a for-profit. So you also have a network of fosters. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, that kind of has, has ebbs and flows. We had a lot of people wanting to foster during COVID. So again, that was, that was wonderful. They were home. Let's try a dog. A lot of people end up with the term foster fail, meaning they fail to foster and they keep the dog. But that's still great because we've saved an animal in need. And so it kind of varies. I mean, at the moment, we have 
four dogs in foster. We probably have eight that we'd like to be in foster, but we don't have fosters available. I mean, you know, Nancy and I are the fallback. I mean, there, there's no, you know, when fosters say we're going out of town, okay, it's Nancy and I that have to figure out what happens there. So it really kind of varies on the number of fosters that we have at any given time. We have some that have been longer term fosters that kind of ride with it and they really are enjoying it. We have some that are one and done. And we have some that come back to us during the summer. We have teachers that, you know, for three months they're off and, you know, they help us out during that time of the year. But it's definitely, it's not a consistent thing. We can't kind of rely on the fosters to make the decisions that Nancy and I have to ultimately make on what dogs we can take and what we're going to do with them. If we make a commitment to take a dog, I think Nancy and I know at the end of the day, it's going to be one of us committing to this. And if we have help from someone else at the time, that's great. We are always looking for new fosters, but it's definitely not a consistent, our fosters are not a consistent part of our team like Nancy and I are. And then we have two administrators that have, you know, really stuck with us that do kind of the processing. If anyone is listening right now and they're interested in being a foster home for for one of your dogs, how does the process for that? How do they go about that? Well, if they visit the Lonely Hearts Animal Rescues website, which the abbreviated version is lhar.dog, that'll take you to our um, website. And on there is a volunteer form for fostering. So if they take a look, they can actually choose, do they want to foster a mama dog? Do they want to foster an older dog? Because even though we seem to focus on puppies, we do have the eight months, the one-year-olds, the one-and-a-half or two-year-old dogs that are still in need of, of fostering and adopting. So if they are looking for perhaps a six-month-old, they have that option on that foster form to fill out and let us know what they're looking to foster. And just hit submit, and it goes to our foster coordinator, Heather, and she looks it over and, and works out a meeting time to meet with them and view their home and see if everything lines up, then they're welcome to join our team as a foster. I love how you make the process so simple for adopting an animal or if you want to foster an animal. So I really do love that. I wanted to know, is there any misconceptions about rescues that you'd like to clear up? Yeah, I think Nancy and I were talking about these talking points. So I certainly have the ones I experienced and then she's got some too. The first misconception, and we hear it all the time, is, you know, oh, when I win the lottery. Oh, if I win the lottery, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But I can assure you that neither Nancy or I won the lottery. It all started with equity loans. There was no lottery that funded us putting up our facilities. There was no lottery that kept Nancy going in the early days when she had $10,000 of vet bills and had to use her own credit card. This is us. This comes from us personally, the money that has gone in to do this. So the misconception is, no part is too small. So you do not have to win the lottery to help. You you can donate your time. You can donate money. You can donate gift cards. You know, we are all volunteers. It is all based on kind of what people donate to us to keep this going. So the first thing, like I would say, is the misconception is don't wait to win the lottery because chances are it's not going to happen. If you want to help and get involved, there's lots of organizations out there that need it. So don't don't wait for that. My other misconception is that people think that we play with puppies all day, that they want our job. Oh, I want your job. You just play with puppies all day. They have no idea. I, I would imagine it's kind of like the behind the scenes at Disney World that no one lets you see. They have no idea in, in the number of hours and, you know, physical exhaustion and tears and work that people like Nancy and I put in behind the scenes with taking dogs to vets and taking care of sick puppies and having to make really tough decisions sometimes. 
to this misconception that we are running through the fields playing with puppies all day <laughs> could not be further from the truth. So I think those are the, the two things I'd kind of like to highlight on where I think it's important people have the right perception on what really happens. We give them the finished product. They get to come into this gorgeous adoption center and see these happy, healthy puppies. And they didn't start out that way. <laughs> so Jen, I kind of want to go back to that uh, real quick when you're talking about what your day actually is like. What is your day like? Give us an example of a typical day. Well, I think that's one thing that's hard to gauge. And this is one of the hardest things I think for me getting used to is, you know, in my, in my past life, as I called it, as a program director, I knew what my day was going to be. I had project plans. I had, you know, times. I had meetings. I had this. I mean, we are deal- literally dealing with life and death type of things. We have at any time, each Nancy and I can each have 50 puppies in our building. So when we wake up each morning, I, you know, Heather always says you start out with a plan A on thinking this is what your day is going to be like, and you may make it to, you know, G or H by the time you go to bed. Today, the reason I was a little bit late was when Nancy said I was dealing with an adopter, it was actually someone that was returning a puppy to us that they got last week and realized it was it was a bad decision. They shouldn't have this puppy in their condo. So I think for us, you never really kind of know what that day is going to bring. I mean, we know we're going to clean up our buildings. We know we're going to have lots of emails and applications. You know, Nancy knows she's going to be here manning Wagsmore in the adoption center during the day. But what we do can turn on a dime at any hour. I don't even know the emails that I've gotten in on the half hour that we've been on the phone. We may have had a dog dumped at a shelter somewhere. We may have a foster may have texted that, you know, a puppy hurt themselves or sick. So I think that's been one of the things that kind of it rolls with this is we never quite know. It always, the day yeah. is going to bring. <laughs> it always starts with cleaning the barn and it always ends with, with cleaning the barn. So you're always cleaning up puppies in the beginning and feeding and watering and you know, mopping floors. And then at the end of the day, whether you're working full time in the middle, you're back to cleaning and mopping and, you know, feeding dogs and watering dogs again. So at least the beginning and end are always the same. Nancy, are there any misconceptions that you wanted to add? The only misconception is that people have a tendency to look at rescues and think that it's harder to adopt a puppy than it is to adopt a child. And some rescues out there do make it difficult to get through their adoption process and their application form. But we have, as Jen said earlier, streamlined it and redone our application so that it's fair and we are not so restrictive that the majority of people don't get a dog. We want to place these dogs. We want them to get out of the environments that they're in, the southern states where they may be outside dogs or chained up dogs or porch dogs, just you know, with litters of puppies running around. So we want these animals to get into loving forever homes. So we don't make it as hard as some rescues do. So they should, you know, keep going. Please look at the rescues that are around them because there are rescues that will work with them. It just takes time. And there, unfortunately, it's not like I had a gentleman tell me that, you know, he's, from the 50s, he grew up in the 50s and 60s, and he could just get a dog for $25. Well, that's why there's currently a problem with overpopulation. People didn't spay and neuter, and a lot of places, they don't spay and neuter. So we just want to make it easy to get these animals out of their bad environments and into loving homes up here. So take a look at Lonely Hearts. We're not that difficult to adopt from. And, you know, I think that's just, that's a response that I get from a lot of people is that rescues are really hard to work with. Nancy, can we talk a little bit about Wagsmore Adopt and Shop? Sure. 
in 2019, we usually, prior to having Wagsmore, Lonely Hearts would have adoption events at different pet stores, the big mega stores, the Pet Smarts, the Petcos, you know, everybody knows where they are. It got to where we wanted to do events maybe on a Friday evening, or we wanted to, to do things a little differently. And we just decided that we needed our own place to be able to hold events whenever we wanted. And I was at my end of my career after 37 years of a marketing firm, and I decided that I should open a store up and we can have our own adoption center. So really the adoption center now is half retail and half adoption space. I looked on the website and it looks like such a fun place to be. So I'm sure a lot of people will be visiting that very soon. So I wanted to know the people that are donating. And a lot of people want to know this about different organizations. How are your donations utilized? Well, I can tell you that from our donations, which is primarily the adoption donation fees when you adopt a puppy, that's primarily the way we receive income is the fees from adopting one of our dogs or puppies. We don't get a lot of independent donations from people. But when we do, that money is also put in and we spend it on medical is our number one expense. Last year, 2021, we spent over $75,000 on medical expenses. Wow. I know when you were talking about Nora and saying that it cost $8,000 for one dog, that's a lot. So it is a lot. Yeah. Thankfully, I mean, she was an exception, but I mean, just even the things that if we have a puppy for two weeks and the puppy needs dewormer, the puppy needs a vaccine, the puppy may need a little bit of antibiotic, the puppy may need, obviously it has to eat food. You know, all of this goes into their care. I mean, ideally, if we get a puppy in and everything's great and the puppy leaves in in two weeks and, you know, that puppy maybe only costs us $50. Um, But when we have the big ones or we get hit with something like Parvo, which is kind of a puppy rescue you know, worst nightmare because it can spread so rampantly. You know, the vet bills, they add up. Yeah, they do. This year, we are already at $42,000 for medical. But as Jen said, there's a lot of other things that go into, you know, the different expenses that we have. We also pay rent. So, and Lots the reason of it- I bring the rent up is because within, I would say, the next year to 18 months, our goal is to buy a place and not pay so much towards rent not pay anything towards rent and own the piece of property that we use as the intake center and have maybe a retail part of it going back out. Wagsmore has a retail so that we can offset the expense of of rent. And we'd like to do that wherever we are just to, to help with the rent part of it. To own a piece of property where we can put up our own adoption center. But I think our, our, our dream and, you know, again, not counting on that lottery, Um, Our dream would be to, for Lonely Hearts to own, you know, a piece of property where we could have our adoption center and make it our own. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you would want people to know? Just one thing back what Nancy was saying, which was talking about medical, because in addition to what we're doing on this end, we are trying to change the mentality and, and help the community in some of these areas of West Virginia and Kentucky where these dogs come from. So, When we get in a litter of puppies from someone, we are always offering to spay and neuter their animals down there to stop this from happening. So when Nancy was mentioning our medical, 
that's not just the Noras of the world that we're doing up here locally in Frederick. That medical expenses is also thousands of dollars a year that we're paying to local vets down in West Virginia and Kentucky to try to help the community take better care of their animals and prevent the uh, pregnancies down there. Right. If we bring a litter of pups up, we offer them to take care of their mama dog. And if they have any other females or male dogs down in there, we will spay and neuter them as well if they take us up on it. We don't pull the animals out of the Frederick County area. We reach out to those counties in West Virginia and Kentucky that are in need of our help. I want to make sure that everybody knows how to follow you guys and get in touch with you. So let everybody know your website and social media handles. LonelyHeartsAnimalRescue.org, which is easier. It's www.lhar.dog. And that will take you to the Lonely Hearts website. Do you have any social media handles for people to follow? We do. We have a Facebook page on Facebook. We have Lonely Hearts Animal Rescue on Instagram. And we have a Twitter page, which we don't do a lot of Twittering, unfortunately. We've run out of time and people to do the Twitter account. So, <laughs> Yeah, you guys are just a little bit busy during the day. Just a little. So I want to thank you both for coming on. And for everybody listening, everything's in the show notes. So if you are listening right now and you can't jot it down for their social media accounts or their website, no worries. Just scroll down. I have all the information of how you can contact Nancy and Jen and how you can contact and look through um, the Lonely Hearts Animal Rescue. So Jen and Nancy, thank you so much for joining us. I had a great time talking with you guys and learned so much about your rescue. And I want to thank everybody for listening to another episode of the Truman Charities podcast. And until next time, everyone. If you liked this episode, please make sure to rate and review our podcast. That is how more people learn about the Truman Charities podcast and our organization. And to make sure you don't miss any of our future episodes, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. If you'd like to follow Truman Charities, you can follow us on Facebook at Truman Charities, Instagram at Jamie underscore Truman Charities, and check out our website, trumancharities.com.